So we've been talking about faith, hope, and love. Faith, hope, and love. So the interesting scripture, I find it interesting in 1 Corinthians chapter 13. Verse 13, it says that faith, hope, and love will abide. It'll remain. So faith, hope, and love will abide. But the greatest of these is love. So the greatest of faith and hope is love. So we understand from that scripture that the very best thing that we can do is we can love. Love is the most powerful force in the world. God's great love for us is nuclear weapon grade power. There's an explosion. There's a life that comes from it. And of course, we receive his love. The Holy Spirit at salvation is depositing us. And we begin at that very moment, I believe, to learn how to love. And God deposits love in us. And then as time goes on, we learn to love. Interesting about faith, hope, and love. Faith, hope, and love is definitely most powerful when it's connected to Christ. When he is the object of the faith, he is the source of the hope. The foundation, the understanding for the hope is Christ. Christ is our hope of glory. And of course, love comes from Christ. It's not the love that man can put together, but it's the love that only Jesus can give and God has created. Man cannot manufacture this love. But in a secular sense, faith by itself, hope by itself, and love by itself, love when it's the, it's the best love that people can manufacture, in those three things standing by themselves are powerful. You know, this, this football season, you're going to hear more than one football coach, if you pay attention to it, say, the reason for our team's success is we believe in each other. I believe that. I believe that a sports team that believes in each other does better. When they believe in their coach, when they believe in the players, and they believe that, that they've worked hard enough, they believe on that, they, they just do better. I, I really do believe that concept. When people have hope, we can, we can really see the power of hope when it's by itself, when you see where there's no hope. And, and when there's no hope, you can see how valuable hope is. Because if, if, if peop, people that live today with no hope there's no hope in tomorrow. There's no hope in the future. There, there's no hope for uh, food. There's no hope for their survival. Their survival is very rough. Then, then they're defeated. Depression, anxiety, worry. They, they just are suffocated. Their, their spirit is quenched. It's suffocated. Conflicts are very difficult on them. They can't make decisions. Struggles are harder than normal. They just, that's what happens. But where there is hope, even when that hope is not focused on Christ and he's not the source of it, hope stands by itself is pretty powerful and love is as well. The best that we can do is familia love, love the Philadelphia, filio. It means that we can have affection for family. And, and when that is there, it, it's it's not agape love. It's not unconditional. There's normally strings attached. But when people know that they're loved, even though it's family love, 
And when people love each other, there's a strength there. But it is multiplied exponentially when faith, hope, and love are connected to Christ. And he is the source and he is the power of that love. So love that is connected to Jesus Christ is the greatest power there is. And that's what, that's the scripture that we're going to look at today, Romans chapter 12. Romans chapter 12. We're just going to look at verses 9 and 10, and, and we're going to look at four parts of this love. When we're loving like this, this is how we're loving. These are the ingredients of it. The first one is this. Love must be sincere. Love must be genuine. Genuine means it's real. It's, it's, it's not full of pretense. It's not complicated. It, it's not dependent upon things happening. There are no strings attached. It is authentic. It is without hypocrisy. And our love is to be genuine. And you know that you're loving the way Jesus wants you to love when it's the real thing. It's, it's got that, that stamp of approval on it. You're not expecting anything in return. You're, you're loving in a way that is God-honoring, God-centered, and God-focused. In the, in the message, Eugene Peterson said this about this verse. This is how he translated it. Love from the center of who you are. Don't fake it. Pretty good, isn't it? Love from the center of who you are and don't fake it. It's interesting to me that that the idea of love being genuine is set up with let love be, let love be. Uh, now, here's how love has happened for me. I'm growing in love. I'm learning to love. Been a Christian a long time, and, and I have not arrived. I have not uh, uh, completed the task of understanding all there is to know about love and loving flawlessly without imperfection. I, I still struggle, but I've grown in love. And, and we need to get out of the way and let the Holy Spirit teach us to love. That's the idea, I think, of let love be. You don't want to fight it. You don't want to suppress it. You don't want to get in the way of it. And so here's how love works. Person receives Christ. The Holy Spirit comes into their life. The Holy Spirit begins to educate, begins to train, begins to communicate with us. And, and we begin to have thoughts of loving. We begin to have feelings to love. We begin to have a rumbling deep inside of us by the Holy Spirit. And, and we begin to have ideas, understandings, awarenesses in our heart. And it, it, it's like this, where did that come from? Where in the world did those thoughts come from? Why am I having these thoughts? And, and there's a great deal of vulnerability begins to take form. And there's a wrestling match that goes in in all of us. And that wrestling match is that we begin to have these awarenesses, these ideas, these understandings of loving beyond ourselves, and, and so our flesh against that, our flesh against the spirit, we begin to suppress it a little bit until we learn to let it be. And, and that's the process that we need to go through to learn to really love like God wants us to love with that agape love is, is we come to the place to where we just let it happen. And we don't fight those feelings. We don't suppress it. 
We don't lock it up. We don't hide it. And, and vulnerability is hard to learn to deal with. You know, we, we oftentimes as men think that love is a weakness, that feelings is, is not what we're supposed to be. And, and so we have to learn to subdue those tendencies that all of us have in the flesh to get in the way of love growing and flourishing in us. But the question we all need to ask ourselves about this genuine love is, is my love unfettered? Is the love that I'm loving with today, is it unconditional or conditional? And only you can answer that. The Holy Spirit is definitely making you aware of it. Do I love people with a genuine motive? Do I love people from my heart? Is the center of my being? Or am I loving people so that I get things in return? Am I loving people so that there's peace? Am I loving people so that I can make a living, right? Many times in business, we, we learn to deal with people in some form of loving way so that we can get them to buy our product or get them to do our services, right? Get them to do what we want them to do. But the love of God, the love of Christ is always going to be genuine. It's the real thing. So is your love hypocritical or is that real thing? Are you growing in the ability to love? Are you learning to love? Are you having awarenesses and ideas? Where in the world that come from for you to love more than you presently do? It should be that every one of us believers would be able to say that without question, we love more today than we did this time last year, that we are growing in love. So the first thing is love must be sincere. The second thing is this. In the second part of verse 9, love has got to be discerning. Love must be discerning. The scripture says, abhor what is evil. Abhor means hate. Hate what is evil and hold fast to what is good. No question about this. People get kind of a little bit uptight when they hear the word hate in church, right? But there's no question that God hates sinners, that God hates sin. That's very clear. He's God right? He has the ability to both hate and love sinners at the same time. Psalm 14 clearly says that God hates sin. That's how great his love is. The reason why God hates sin and he hates a sinner is God hates what hurts people. And, and that's to be our mindset there. We are to literally hate what is evil. That's love. Well, how can it be love? Because sin, evil, the flesh uh, hurts people. And if we love people, then by comparison, we are going to hate what hurts them. And, and we are going to have a strong emotional experience with that. Abhor what is evil. Abhor what is evil. Some things to think about. Love should be discerning. We need to be calculating the best way to love people. We need to be thinking about how in the world can I love someone that I disagree with? How do I communicate that in our day and time today? That's a very difficult thing because there really is a pushback today from society. If you don't agree with me in my lifestyle, in my choices, then you don't love me. And, and that's, 
There's nothing further from the truth of that. Now, the, the, our society in the world is going to have a real hard time understanding that you can disagree with their life. You can disagree with their choices. You can even believe that their choices are very harmful to their life, but you can still love them. And so it's compartmentalizing this. You hate the evil, you love the good. Abhor what is evil and, and be drawn, hold fast to what is good. You can love people and, and hate their sin. You can love people and hate their choices because their choices harm them. And so the very first thing we understand is love must be discerning. How can I most effectively love this person? How can I show love to this person? Love does, love does not agree with evil or sin in a person's life. And it is possible to disagree with someone and, and abhor their sin, their evil, and still love them. That's God's love. That's, that's, and so we must allow that love to be and to abhor what's evil and cling to what is good. And hating sin is a result of love in our life. So it's not being judgmental. It's being loving. It's not being overtly righteous. It's being loving. It's not thinking you're all that in a bag of chips, that you're holier than now. It's love. It's love. It's love that recognizes the harm, that recognizes the problem, that recognizes the evil, the sin in the person's life. And, and that love is going to cause us to, in a loving way, deal with, confront that evil in a person's life. It's as simple as this. If you love someone, you don't want to be hurt. You don't want to be harmed. You don't want them to make un poor choices. And, and you're always going to be positioning yourself to help them. That's what love does. Love doesn't allow us to enable people. Love doesn't allow us to enable people. Be very careful that our love enables people to continue on in their poor choices, in their evil, if that is the case. Love always gives room for God to work. You know, sometimes the most loving decision that we can make is to walk away, is to let them hurt, is to let the loved one go through hard times. Don't be too quick to make, to make it to ease every burden. Don't be too quick. You need to process this. You need to go to the Lord. Let the Holy Spirit lead you. But if you're in a situation with someone that evil is harming their life, we need to position ourselves where our love is going to be most impactful in their life. And be, we need to ask ourselves the question, am I getting in the way of what God wants to do in this situation? Oftentimes, we enable people because of love. And we need to be careful with that. We need to be discerning with our love. And, and giving room for God to work is just the very thing that people sometimes need, obviously. And so we get out of the way and we let the tough love work. So love should be discerning. We abhor what is evil, but we hold fast to what is good. Next thing, verse 10. We are to love one another with tender affection. This is the brotherly love affection. This is the Philadelphia love, the city of brotherly love. In the Greek, philos means love. It means tender affection, family love. 
And, and so uh, Christians are born to love with this tender affection. That's what the Holy Spirit begins to do in us. Now, the idea of this, this Philadelphia love here in verse 10 is this. From the same womb, but different. That's the root of this. This is where it comes from. The idea of brotherly love comes from this foundation that people are the same in that they were born from the same mom, their brothers and sisters, but they are very different. And so since people who are born from the same mom and are different, but they love each other, that's the idea here. And so verse 10 says, the first part of verse 10 says, we are to love people who are very different than we are. We are to love people who are very different than we are. Jesus himself said, what good is it to love everybody that loves you? You know, that doesn't really demonstrate the love, but when they hate you and you love them, now that's a different story. And so you know that love is growing in you and you know that love is deepening and, and, and you're maturing in loving people with this unconditional love when you begin to recognize that you are growing in loving people who are different than you are from the same womb, but different. Isn't that true of life? So I got three grandkids. Lexi is the oldest grandkid. Lexi is a brainiac. She's really, really smart. That's just not a grandpa saying that. She's won the Hawaiian Science Project twice for her age group. Her, her science projects are really complicated. They're so complicated that when she explained to me her science project, I just went, all right then. I wish you well with it. Does it explode? No, it shouldn't explode. We've got all that monitored. Okay, all right. As long as it doesn't explode, it's okay. She's been on Zoom meetings with NASA scientists in the sixth grade, in the seventh grade. She's been on Zoom meetings with other scientists that she's been invited to because of her science projects and the notoriety that she has received from this. It's bizarre. It's just, it's just crazy how her mind works. She, everything she reads, she knows. She reads just obsessively. She's studying videos all the time about science, and she just knows all this stuff. She just went to a science camp on the big island of Hawaii with kids from all over the world. And, and she wasn't quite old enough, and, and she had to be 13 to go to the camp, and they made an exception for her to be able to go, and she turned 13 at the camp. She's just really, really smart. She doesn't pay any attention to school drama with people. She's not part of all that. She, she just does her own thing, and that's who she is. Mila is the middle one. Mila is most concerned with her hair. <laughs> She's most concerned with TikTok. She loves to hang out with her friends. She makes pretty good grades at school, but eh, it's okay to her. If she makes a B, eh, it's all right. No problem. Had a lot of fun along the way. That's how she is. She's very different. Then Lexi, life would be, the, would be horrible if Lexi made a, a B 
But, but not Mila. She's good with it. Everybody's good. Everybody having fun. Let's roll. She'd rather be at the beach hanging with her friends. Priya is an athlete. She's the smallest. She's the littlest one. She's just now going in second grade. She's the youngest one in her gymnastics school that was asked to be on the competition team. I mean, she's a little bitty short thing to begin with for age, but, but she does flips and backflips and does on that bar, and she does all these crazy things. She has a bar in her living room all the time, and she just goes by, and she does three or four swings on it. I mean, you're going, what in the world is going on here with this girl? She was, there was three kids selected to do a gymnastics presentation at Pearl Harbor on July the 4th, and she was the youngest, and she was out there doing flips and all those things that she does. That's a big gig for a first grader, right? They are all from the same womb. They're all from the same dad, but different. And that's the idea of this scripture. We are to love people who are different than we are. And, and that's a hard thing for us. That's a learned behavior. That, that's a, a behavior that we uh, learn to, to experience, to exhibit, and it's difficult because we are conditioned in our flesh. We are conditioned in, our, in, in how we're put together, that we are okay with people who are like us, but people who are different, we're struggled with. And, and that's true about how people group themselves today. We like to be around people that like the same things that we like. We like to be around people that have the same values as we have. We like to be around people that have, you know, the same awareness of what life should be that we have. But in Christ, we are called on to love people who are different than we are. So when you're learning to love people who are different, different colors of skins, different politics, different understandings of life, different moralities, you know that you're growing in the love that Jesus has deposited in you. So the good question is, are you learning to love people who are different than you are? That's the mark of a believer. That's the mark of a maturing believer. And then the last part of verse 10, we are to outdo one another in showing honor. The idea of outdoing one another is really accurate to the Greek here. I mean, this is speaking of there is to be a competition that we have to outdo each other, to outdo one another. Always wanting to honor someone else more than us. Philippians says, don't think of yourself too highly. Don't think that you have all the answers. Romans says, Romans chapter 12, earlier on in this chapter, it says, man, you don't need to, you don't need to think that you, have, you, have, you know it all. And, and that's the idea there of love. You know that love is growing on, in you when you desire to show honor. Now, honor means that it has weight. It's like the scale. You know, if you're weighing gold back in the old uh, gold rush days, you have that scale there. And you have the weights in one side, and you put the gold in the other, and when it balances out, you count how many weights you have in there, and how, that's the way of the gold. Well, the idea of 
the weight moving the scale is the word honor. And so that idea is taking the Bible here, the Bible, the word honor, the, the word that was selected was, was the word that would describe the weight influencing the scale. And so you know you honor people when you're willing to let them teach you. You know you honor people when you respect them to the point that their influence matters to you and, and you value their opinion. You value their values and you're willing to listen to them. That's how we must be. We, we know that we're struggling, growing in love when we view some people uh, uh, in this regard. They have nothing to teach me. They can't show me anything. They're beneath me. That's not love. We can, and, and it's not really common sense either because you can learn things from people that don't have your education level. You can learn things from people that, that may not be uh, up to your economic standards, whatever that might be. You can learn from people that, that speak a different language from you. You can learn from people that do things really, really different. And so we need to learn to honor people. And that's one of the things that the Holy Spirit will work and do. On the, the desk of Ronald Reagan, it is said that he had this plaque that said this, there is no limit to how far you can go if you don't care who gets the credit. Paul would say amen to that. He would say that's, that's a true statement. When you don't care who gets the credit, then you're outdoing one another and showing honor. You're outdoing one another and showing honor. I saw a sign a couple weeks ago that said this. A team will be stronger if each member of the team desired to be the captain more than the MVP. And, and I think that is exactly what that plaque says on Ronald Reagan's desk. So the hard question is, do I want to honor other people or do I want to be noticed? What is my motivation? And you know that you're growing in love when the most important thing when you walk in a room is not that you're noticed, not that you're appreciated, and not that you're recognized. Love does not seek to be recognized. Love does not seek that their plans, their ideas are honored. Love desires that other people be recognized, be noticed, and, and, and be honored for their achievements. So we know we're growing in love when we do those four things. Our love is real, not hypo hip hip hypocritical that love is discerning, that we're thinking about how is the best way for me to love this person in this situation, that we are learning to love people who are different than we are, that we're growing in that. And, and so when you live in a bubble where there's not perhaps a lot of real differences, find people who are different and love them and learn to love people who are different than you are. And love must be willing to honor other people. You must, you need to live to outdo one another in showing honor. Those are four things that Romans 12 says to us that love should be.
these things, these three things will abide. Faith, hope, and love will remain. They will abide. But out of those three things, love is the greatest. Father, we pray today for our message. We pray, Lord, that we receive your word. Father, all of us in you, Lord, are learning to love. We're all at different places, different stages. I pray, Lord, that your spirit will, will communicate with our spirit and you will enable us to love you with all of our heart. And, and, and Father, that we will grow into the ability to be able to love each other the way you desire us to. We praise you today, Lord. We give you glory that you're so worthy of today. In Jesus' name, amen. Ushers, please come forward.